What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 95. Always here on a Thursday for you. My name's Anthony. If you're new to this channel uh, or new to our Twitch, what up to the Twitch guys that are going to be here in the chat? Um, always here with my resident homies, Joel and Casey. We're going to see uh, the Professor Joseph around seven something. He's going to be here. So, uh, yeah, dudes, we're here and we got another big one for you guys. A, a, a legend, another legend we get to add to the list. We got Paul Mazurkowitz from Cannibal Corpse, Heaven's Gate, and Umbilicus. What's going on, Paul? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. Great to be Yeah, here. dude. Thank you for uh, gracing us with your presence, like I had said pre pod. And uh, like, I, it's just really cool that we get to be able to talk to some guys like you now, you know, doing this for as long as that we've been doing it. And uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much. Um, let's do some uh, plugs real quick. Um, what Cali Death Podcast. Oh, no, we, we don't even have anything on there. What am I talking about? We got <laughs> we're sold out. Battle battleforgecoffee.com homies and deeds of flesh actually we'll talk about that because they opened up for you guys at one point too um they got a coffee company now paul so you got death metal dudes doing coffee now it's pretty awesome right isn't it incredible it is dude <laughs> and uh you had to have a little bit of coffee to perk yourself up for this one right now so. i had to have a late night cup you know which i'm normally not accustomed to but right right that's what you gotta do <laughs> yeah oh yeah and uh we'll get some merch up for you guys soon um we, we just really haven't had any meetings on it yet but we we're sold out now or i think that uh joseph said we had two i don't know if they've sold since then but um paul is there any places online obviously you know cannibals merch is all over the place but specific websites you want to plug for uh cannibal umbilicus and heaven's heaven's gate for their merch or band camps or whatever well uh well the cannibal yeah you know, should be self-explanatory i can't you know i i you know it's so late for me i don't even remember what the hell our merchant uh, company name is right now and then and the name of the website i'm sure you got multiple so just yeah. well, well we have our main we have okay. our main company i'm sure if you just go to cannibalcorpse.net which is uh the uh, cannibal site there that you'd be able to get all the information you need for any merch and all that but uh but yeah for umbilicus and for heaven's gate obviously since those bands are fairly new i know we're both on Bandcamp, and i believe it's um umbilicus band at uh, bandcap.com and i'm not even sure i think it's just heaven's gate um at bandcap i'm I, you know a good 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 question unfortunately i don't fully know the answer to this That's so many these days so late i don't even know what i'm talking about <laughs> no but uh if you do a little bit of research you can you know find out what umbilicus is up to we're about to actually uh, release our debut record at the end of this month and then the Heaven's sure. Gate, you know, a lot of stuff in the works with Heaven's Gate still. Um, you know, we got some live shows we're playing. We already played two shows, um, but I know we're uh, we're in the process of getting our EP, which is, you know, I guess, call it an EP. Um, it's only five songs we did. Um, we hopefully get that released soon. I'm not sure when that's happening, but uh, a little research and you guys can all find uh, all this stuff out on the old. Yeah, internet. the Internet's easy to use, guys. Come on. Great pretty much oh <laughs> yeah dude well uh yeah this is awesome dude uh so how we do it on the show is uh, my first question i always ask everybody is um what was the earliest memory you could think of in your life where music 
clicked with you. You know, like it doesn't have to be metal. It's just, you're a child. You heard something on the radio. Your parents are jamming something in the house while you're tinkering with your toys and, and something just clicked with you. Well, good question. And uh, yeah, you always have those distinct memories from back then, or I do anyways. Um, I mean, who, I guess who doesn't? They should, especially if you become a musician or you're a huge fan of music. Um, I, I, I was listening to my parents' uh, records. By no means were we a musical family, but my father had a lot of albums and 45s and you know, when I was younger, I guess around maybe uh, eight years old, when you can start digging through all those and put them on the turntable and, you know, figure out what's going on in, in the musical world. I mean, two two things that come to mind for my earliest memories. I, I remember I remember listening to the Beach Boys. Uh, my dad Sweet. was a big, be big Beach Boys fan, big Beatles, big Rolling Stones, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why I remember the Beach Boys kind of like the first band for some reason that I that I ended up that resonated with me a little bit um, and then another uh, another band in particular uh, when I was playing his 45s because the Beach Boys was an LP but uh, putting on the kinks and hearing mm. uh, all day all night or all yeah I think that's the name of the song and you really got me you know those two songs of course we just we just that that the sound of the guitar just wow that was it was different to me it was it was it had that heaviness that you know that uh, you look back now and you're going wow the early stages of kind of what what metal would become i guess you know right, like very right. hard rock um and and i remember uh really being drawn to that you know um so so those those two uh, in particular would be my first memory the kinks 45s and the beach boys cool dude so and then so you said eight years old um and it sparked a little fire in you. Did you did you start digging more into the records, or you like how how did you start your own journey in in researching music? Well, you know, I guess I started off with his collection there. Um, like I said, those kinds of bands, and then I guess my next step up was just out of kind of you know, obviously pre-internet and all that kind of stuff. So, where are you getting your information where you're seeing stuff you're going to the record stores or you're getting a magazine or something like that but of course like every probably other uh male at my age at that time in in in, in life kiss was the band you know was and it more the image or the music it was both i mean i, I you know I, I look back and the image of course grabbed you you know mm -hmm. i mean could it not, right? You know, you're just fascinated by these guys and these characters. Um, but the music was good, too. You know, mm -hmm. it was good, good music. And I remember liking both. But I was a fanatic. I was a freak like anybody else back then in the late 70s. Um, and I, and I, you know, it's hard to remember exactly how I got into it. My, my cousin... I have a younger sister, but I have an older cousin who's two years older than me and, you know, spent a lot of time with him. And he kind of got me involved in a lot of music back then, being, you know, a couple of years older, of course, and he was heavily into ball, you know, rock and roll and all that. Um, it, but I, you know, so I can't really remember fully what happened. Did I go to the music store, see the album? Did I, you know, get a magazine? Because they're all over magazines at that point and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, or did he actually, you know, turn me on to it? It's hard to fully remember, but I do remember buying, um, I do remember one of my first albums I bought on my own was Kiss Destroyer. Okay. I do remember that. And, um, you know, it was just the, the band that made you, you know, made me 
freak out about music. What age was that? I guess I was around, you know, a little after. I was around nine years old, um, probably around nine. Because I remember then Kiss playing in Buffalo. And it would have been in 77, 78. And I remember I couldn't go. I remember I was, I think I was in fifth grade. And I remember just being a little too young. And I knew they were playing. I, I, I have these distinct memories of, you know, remembering the paper and the next day, like, you know, what they would do reviews. And there was a picture of, you know, Gene Simmons or whatever in the actual, you know, in the newspaper mm-hmm. talking about this playing and all that. And I, I remember going, man, I would have loved to go, but I wasn't like, you know, wasn't like freaking out about it as much. But then my first concert, you know, and I guess I was, it was 79. So I was what, uh, you know, 10, 10 and a half, almost 11 years old. And that was seeing Kiss, uh, Kiss Dynasty Tour. So then your parents didn't really have too much resistance then because I, I would think that the image would probably turn most parents off for a kid at eight, nine, ten years old. To, you know. yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, yeah, they, they kind of let me go with it, I guess. You know, I mean, that's they, killer. I, 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 yeah, it is. I mean, I had great parents in that sense where they supported me in, those, in so many ways in that way. Um, I, I, you know, looking back, yeah, they could have easily shunned it. Right. And said, oh, my gosh, you can't be listening to this. Mm-hmm. Or, are, are you know look at these images and all that but the, i think they knew how how passionate i was about it and how much it meant to me and right. they wanted me to be happy and um and i was happy i mean my my room was kiss i lived kiss and um i'll never forget um on that going to when i when when we knew they were coming to to, to tour in 79 for the dynasty tour by then yes i'm well into it i have to go see them now you know now i'm freaking out right uh, and I remember my, I was supposed to go to the concert with a friend of mine, a school friend of mine. And I guess his, I don't know if his older sister was going to take us or his cousin, somebody was going to take us so of my friend of mine. And at the last minute that fell through, I remember. Wow. And I was, I was so bummed. I was like, Oh Damn. no, what am I going to do? And, and guess this is what happened. My parents knew how bummed I was. My mom, I remember we went and bought tickets. You'd have to go to this. I remember you had to go to the, uh, department store to buy tickets back then it was a <laughs> wow. store called amna's and i remember we had to go into amna's we walked in we bought tickets we bought four tickets i went with my mom my dad and my younger sister they killer that's right they, a family was, outing it was unbelievable because i remember after that they knew i was in my glory and my parents didn't care they just wanted me to be happy and i'll, I'll never forget them talking about it after going you know yeah, there was a good, you know, we had a good time. I mean, you know, it was a good any, show they put on. You know, they didn't care about it at all, but they knew I would be happy and they were entertained as well. So, any, uh, any Halloweens you were them for Halloween? You know, I never did that actually. You know, really? I don't know why. I don't know why I never did that. I mean, I was that much of a fanatic about it, but I never went that way for some right. reason because I knew so many people did. I remember back then, right? Everybody's doing it. And, totally. and I don't know, I don't know why I never did, but, uh, uh-huh. but I mean, I I lived Kiss and I loved Kiss and that. so is that is that like the is that the main inspiration for wanting to play music too right there? Probably, I would think that's because I was so passionate about it. You know, I remember just looking at somebody like Gene Simmons and just seeing them on stage, and you see the pictures and you go, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, would wouldn't it be cool to be doing that? I guess you know, mm-hmm. and that's still such a pipe dream at that point because you know you're just fantasizing, uh, totally fantasizing at oh, that yeah. point. So, uh, but that would have been, uh, yeah, looking back, that was, was totally the start of it, of course. So was drums your, was that your first instrument? Did you pick up a guitar, bass, anything first? 
Yep, I was playing guitar first, actually. I, I think I was driven, I was drawn more to guitar at that point. I wasn't like, oh, Peter Chris, that wasn't the guy. You know, to me, it was more mm-hmm. of Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and Kiss. Um, mm-hmm. That's, uh, I was uh, gravitating towards them more. I liked them all. Um, but I, I think I liked guitar way more in the beginning. Um, and actually, I started playing guitar when I was 12 years old. I, I remember wanting to play guitar. I wanted to take lessons and all that. But man, I remember wanting to rock out and wanting to have an electric guitar and make noise and all this. And uh, my parents, they said, well, if you're going to take lessons, we're not buying you a guitar because we're not sure if you how, you know if this is going to pan out or anything like that. We'll see how it goes. So, you, you know, you go to the local music store, you're, you get a rented guitar that they're mm-hmm. and it's an acoustic Mm -hmm. so i remember doing it for six months back when i was 12 12 years old and i got pretty far um i look back at the music i played and was able to read and i couldn't do that to save my life right now it's it's like a foreign language it's like japanese to me i look i go i was able to read this music this is crazy i Um, I feel the same way dude i played piano for like a year and i was reading the music and and now it's no, you have to keep it going. You have to keep it. You have to. It's like it's like working out. Like you're gonna lose right. your muscle. You know, it's yeah. not like riding a bike type deal where you can just no, jump no. back on it. You know, you're yep. that young. You know, I think it was right. I look back on man, I forgot that pretty quick, and uh, you know, I, I gave up on it because I I couldn't rock out. I couldn't make the noise I wanted. I didn't want to play acoustic guitar. You know, I wanted to really mm-hmm. play electric, and and I, I think if I would have had an electric, I might have kept it going. Um, so yeah. I kinda, I kind of fell to the wayside and then uh you know that was you know said about uh, 12 i guess and then i i really didn't uh you know i didn't pick up the drums till i was about 16 you know when i first got my first kit so it was a few what was going ago. on in that four years then was it just in, in, ingesting music but not yeah. really right right yep it was just ingesting music i think i may have got a guitar a few years after that from my friend i remember i remember pre-band now that i'm thinking back that he had a guitar an electric and that i ended up getting it off of him so i would have probably been maybe maybe you know 15 maybe 16 maybe around the same time i got the drums actually um because the the guitar was different you can play that like in your bedroom kind of quietly of course you know when Mm -hmm. you can without an amp or you can play your amps uh, low and all this and the drums were the drums you know you're playing right. at full volume at full bore and uh, you can't do it all the time especially if you're in your parents house yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. to play like i was so uh so yeah i think a lot of it at that point up until then was absorbing right just you know g- being into the music um you know loving the music just were you getting into the heavier stuff th- during that four years too Oh, of course. I mean, it was a constant, a constant kind of move up the ladder. I mean, when I grew up in that era, when you're talking about the late, you know, from the 70s to the 80s, look at the big change. And then from the 80s to the 90s. I mean, so when I'm uh, when I'm getting into it at, say, in 82, everything's changing by the day. You know, you're starting out in the early 80s when, you know, it's just Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and Judas Priest, right? And then all of a sudden you got, you know, a year later, Metallica comes into play and then Slayer comes into play. And then now it's thrash metal with the creator creator and Sodom and all these bands. And then, you know, everything was changing like by the minute. And and we were familiar with you were familiar with all that before you got your kit. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Yeah, because I got the kit when I was 16. And what that kind of kit been, was it? it? It was a man, a cheap, it was a, called a Kent. And they, I, I know they were made in Western New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they were an old company. 
and I got an old kit. I mean, you know, so I bought it in what, 80, I bought that in, in 84 maybe or something. And uh, I was born it, that year. <laughs> well, that's, that's when I got the kit and the kit was probably from the sixties. It definitely was from the sixties. Um, you know, so, and, uh, a Kent, it was a, an old school kit, but it was double base. I remember having a oh, sweet. Like, you know, double base kit, two Toms, floor Tom, really crappy hardware and all that, but it was double base of which I wanted. Right. Um, I remember we paid $200 for it. My, my, me and my mom went and got it in her Pinto. We, I, we actually fit this kit in my, in my mom's Pinto. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> one trip, huh? I know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, uh, that was the start of it, right. Play, of getting the drums. Um, and, and, you know, in 80, I guess yeah, I said 84 around there. So, so was it just, uh, and, and you're obviously you're saying your parents were open to you and your love for kiss and music and stuff like that. Yep. Any resistance with the kit, the first no, couple of months or anything Not at all. I mean, I think they wouldn't have bought it for me. You know, they wouldn't have, right. they wouldn't copy of the kid on oh, no, like anything else but that you know my cousin was playing drums at that time the the the, the guy that got me into the music when he you know uh, when i was younger and um he had a drum kit he was playing drums i saw those i mean i they were they were really cool about that i mean that was so great about my my parents just allowing me to kind of flourish or do what i'd like wanted to, to do and i was mm -hmm. passionate wanting to play the drums so so you know when i went and got it with my mom you know we set them up in our basement and i was able to play you know at reasonable hours of course you know they allowed mm -hmm. me to do it and i'm sure there was many a day and night of them just closing their ears and going oh my gosh you know but but they yeah. put up with it you know yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know and then they put up with the early band practices because of course being the drummer it was easier if you had practice you know where the drums were so we had those early practices uh pre-cannibal you know when i first started playing in bands you know we'd have the the practice in my uh in my basement there and uh i was they, gonna ask you real quick so what's the first song you got all the way through and you were just like yes i did it on drums i well i mean i remember i remember yeah because you were saying about how we were uh already well into the music so exactly you're already into the into slayer and metallica and you know now you're trying to play this stuff and i never took lessons and we're all just learning as we go you know my friends that are playing with me um so i remember playing two songs in particular i don't know which one came first but dethroned emperor from frost celtic frost and pounding metal by exciter um nice. probably just because they were a little more simplistic of course you know mm -hmm. we weren't apple something a little crazier you know that was maybe slayer or metallica and then eventually we did and you're playing what like seek and destroy because uh, that's an easier song or for, mm -hmm. for that metal militia or something like that um and uh you know then the slayer came a little bit after that but uh, but yeah dethroned emperor and uh pounding metal those are the two killer it is trippy so, to think real quick about like the the jumps like you talking about the you talking about the 70s to 80s to 90s like the, yeah. the huge jumps and leaps because there was no you know now there's like bands that are all the band the certain style or genre now it's like right. it's kind of set now you know yeah yep, it's yep. like back then there's like they're trying something completely different you know next yep. year this band's doing something complete it's like everything's just they're just grabbing at everything just turn anything they can you know to change yeah it imagine finding new styles of metal today it's like it's not we're just like a melting pot right you right. know taking 20 percent of this and 40 percent of that and yep. but yep. now it's like the the or back then it was like i've never heard anything like this before yep. and then it yep. happens again the next day <laughs> I, I and that's i feel very lucky and fortunate to have grown up with that not even grown up with it but like growing with it mm -hmm. you know just at that 
perfect time when you're just a teenager just freaking on music and then you're like exactly the next day what's this oh my god holy crap what's that the next day you know i mean it was unbelievable what an unbelievable time to be involved in that and that you know and that and do uh, in part of course is why cannibals cannibal because you know we were growing with that whole scene and you know when we're finally old enough and, and feel good enough we're in our late teens and here you are now in the late 80s where all those influences come into play and we're kind of in the forefront or you know right in the mix of this whole new genre of death metal so to say so man how exciting and how how amazing to be a part of yeah, really. it sounds exciting dude it was man it really was I mean, so, so high school bands were there any serious high school bands that you had well i mean my first band um we it was you know, tyrant sin and we we actually wasn't really a high school band i mean i guess we started forming right at the end of high school um uh playing and all that but um you know we i, I don't think we really played live until just after maybe i, I graduated or maybe we were senior years senior year somewhere around there where we played one or two shows like a vfw hall or whatever um there is old footage i think we might have put it in our dvd perhaps of me and um and Barnes and Russe playing in this band, one of our first shows ever. And we're playing Celtic Frost and, you know, accept uh, balls to the wall and things like that. Um, but, but when we, when it was, it was about a year after, I guess that I graduated in 86. So around 87 is when Tyrant Sin came into play. We ended up making three demos and we were playing the Buffalo scene basically at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so that would have been, I would consider more my first band and uh you know the stepping stone to to cannibal because if 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 you know the background between uh, behind tyrants and while well, i was in that with russe and barnes was in that in the last uh, rendition and we were playing the buffalo circuit with another band named beyond death whom alex and jack owen you know were in and mm -hmm. both bands kind of fell apart at the same time and that's why how cannibal uh, kind of was formed um, from the uh, you know the ashes of both of those bands basically so yeah uh, yeah so so Tyrant Sin would have been the band uh, you know kicking around for a few years there prior to Cannibal so uh, you said out of the ashes of those bands so like what you guys come together um, what was the initial you know goal with it like what was your influences what were you guys talking about like what like what was your yeah what was your goal what was your sound that you wanted to be well, well there you go i mean we're how we were talking about earlier about just still finding our way and, and changing with the musical scope when you look when you listen to tyrant sin and we were you know we put a couple demos out our last demo would have been in 88 um and uh, early 88 cannibal was formed in late 88 and and tyrants in uh broke up in march of 88 and when you listen to the last demo of tyrant sin you know you can kind of feel like the onset of maybe some cannibal happening here you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know it's very very thrashy very crossover kind of thing you know we were into the thrash and big into dri and the accused and all that so those were kind of influencing us a lot along with of course uh sacrifice and creator and dark angel and everything and then um beyond death you know, they were more influenced by, they sounded kind of like an SOD kind of a band, you know, very, uh, you know, very crunchy and, you know, and a little bit more plotting like that. And when 
uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget, right, well, our bass player quit in Tyron Sin. And that's why and we were looking for a basis for the longest time and it's never happened. And um, at that time, Alec, it, beyond death, well, they started out as a three piece, but they were a four piece at the end there. It was Jack, Jack and Alex and another guitar player and then the drummer, actually Darren Pfeiffer, who ended up being in Goldfinger. Wow. Uh, he was the drummer in Beyond Death, and they wanted to move on from Darren. They were having a little bit of an issue with him personally, I guess. You know, everything's all fine at this point now, and Darren's such a great guy, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there no problems at all. But at that time, they wanted to, you know, just you know, it was kind of uh, they were on the outs. So they, uh, so I, I, I remember it, it being. I think Alex might have called Rusey or Barnes because they knew we were looking for a bass player. And at that time, they're kind of looking for a drummer, you know, so it was like, hey, you know, why don't we merge together here since you know, yeah. we have needs of each other here. So so it was like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Let's, and we, we knew each other from the scene playing the shows. Um, we uh, we didn't live near them, but, you know, we're getting together playing in Buffalo. We, we know we know these guys and uh, we respect them and we like them. They like us. So, yeah, sure. Let's give this a sh- give it a shot. Why not? We all want to play here. And um, I remember the early Cannibal, um, when you just you just listen to the demo, you know, when you listen to the demo, it's obviously different than what Cannibal became just six right. months later on the record. Because, right, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we knew we wanted to be an aggressive uh, thrash whatever band, right? You know, and then what's this death metal? Well, we, you know, we're just getting into it in with bands like Obituary and Death, you know, and then Morbid Angel just comes out, you know, more uh, Altars of Madness, which changes kind of a lot of the, you know, the mentality a little bit, but, you know, so we're, so we're, Barnes, we're, Barnes was even not growling that much. No, um, yeah. No, not on the demo. He's total like Mille, you know, he's total a mix between Mille from creator and maybe Blaine from the accused. I mean, that was what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And, when we actually went in to record, well, there you go. The whole scope was changing and our attitude was changing by the minute that we wanted to kind of step it up there and, and be more guttural in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we didn't know what we were doing other than we just want to play. We just were trying to find our way, I guess. I always like to say this about Cannibal and the early Cannibal is, man, we got lucky in the sense that you know we got signed when we did and so quickly and all that kind of thing because maybe maybe this early cannibal would never even exist on on record in a sense you know what i'm saying on cd on on vinyl on cassette a lot of bands you know i mean some bands are around for what five six seven eight years before maybe anything happens Mm -hmm. you know put out a release well you know they've had plenty of time to grow and to you know evolve and all that we didn't have any evolving it, it was it was this is what you got you know here we're just a brand new band well here's the stuff we're putting out this is it you know yeah. uh, and so i always look at you know we came into our own say with the bleeding in 94 and you know and that was only what four years after we 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 formed so so i always try to you know like to think oh hypothetically what if we didn't make it till then maybe the bleeding's our first record or something like that or maybe even after and maybe maybe you know those songs that like that were eaten butchered at birth and all that you know they end up falling to the wayside because you're always trying to better your you know your your music you know you know how that goes right maybe they'll see the light of day you know what did the influence come to like to change the singing to growling like or to like guttural shit think it was just the whole like right like i was saying you know we're 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 coming out of say 88 well what's happening 
in the big in death metal for the most part. Not a lot. You got Scream Bloody Gore. You know, you mm-hmm. got maybe the first obituary, which is still, you know, that that's what, 88, 89. So it's, we're not fully there yet um, with any of the guttural singing. So mm-hmm. then you, and I remember, I, I want to remember that we were already established. We're, we're a band. We're going to maybe be recording eaten back to life and where and then altars comes out you know from morbid angel and you're going my god this is a game changer in the sense of everything right and um you know so i think as we were going from like i said early to mid 88 to 89 into when we record about mid 90 mid 89 to 90 so much has changed in the in the in the scope of of the heavy music that now oh you know this is this is what we want to do this is getting to be more acceptable this is what the you know this is what's heavy to us and what's heavy to i guess a lot of people is having the more guttural vocal you know mm-hmm. uh, so that's uh you know and yeah. also the blast beats too so who was the first blast beat you, well i mean a lot of the crossover stuff was getting real close to the blast beat you know close right but not full on and that was the mm-hmm. same thing pete you know when when alters comes yeah. out of course, doing it with terrorizer but you know is that really in the death metal sense when when you hear it on altars of madness you're just like okay what the hell is going on this is this guy is just taking it to the next level and i remember if you listen on eating back to life i believe put them to death i think in the middle of put them to death i'm like doing the shortest blast through it like really like you know uh, two seconds and i and other than that there's no blast on eating back to life right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um as it wasn't that was it we weren't influenced by that yet we weren't you know thinking that of course it comes into play on butchered at birth where there's blast all over the place but i do remember after we did eaten you know and then we're you know starting to write new material of course now we're we're heavily into morbid angel the blast is becoming more uh prominent in some bands especially that one of course um but i remember sitting down and doing a blast beat for the first time at practice and i was i was doing my interpretation of of pete you know Mm -hmm. you know and it wasn't of course it's not it's just my own interpretation i didn't sit there and study what he was doing what is he what is he doing i got to do what he's doing it was like okay i hear what he's doing of course but i re- i'll never forget just sitting down um, on the kit and go okay blast blah, blah. and and that's what came out of me i mean it was just such a natural thing that that that's that and that's how i still blast to this day and yeah, that was, was say, all that's, what, that's what we call the cannibal blast now right. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah everyone yeah, it's the cannibal exactly. blast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was me just interpret interpreting Pete's blast, but without even thinking, just going and doing it. Oh, that's really and, cool. And, yeah, and that's and that's that's how I blast, and that's how I've been blasting, and that was it. So kind of weird, you know, how that came about, man. And what's even crazy is hearing your the how fast the trajectory uh, from the demo up until the bleeding, and you guys are already in Ace Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> no, like from that four years, <laughs> yeah, dude. before even that movie, I mean, before How, the album came out. I know, right? How the hell did- you know you gotta get well you gotta give us a little bit on that real quick like how did that happen was it jim carrey who was like we got to get this band in here or or how did that work yeah i mean um i I know it was documented um him being on jim being on i think it was like arsenio hall back then right talk show and i know he was talking about uh napalm napalm yeah, a lot of napalm death, and uh, he thought it was intriguing and it was interesting and all this. By the and, way, in that clip, you're like Jim Carrey could be a death metal vocalist, dude. Oh, I know. <laughs> He's doing great, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. um, 
So, uh, so from what we remember of it, or what I remember is just, he wanted us in the movie, you know, I don't know if he wanted napalm. I did hear somebody told me recently that I think he might've wanted napalm, which would make sense if that's what he's talking about. He was, you know, but I, I don't know why, what, what happened with that. I'd have to ask those guys, you know, I have to ask Barney or Shane, you know, Hey, did you guys ever get an offer? Did you turn that down or whatever? I don't, I don't even know if that, uh, how that happened. But all I know in our sense is, okay, well, he finds it intriguing. I guess he finds death metal and, and all this kind of interesting. So, so we got a call from uh, metal blade at that time. We're still living in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, we get a call saying, Hey, we got a call from the Jim Carrey's people. They were you know, making a movie. He wants you to be in this movie. And we're like, what the hell of, all right, you know, why not? This sounds fun. Um, and, uh, you know, it was interesting because I remember, you know, of course, we were big fans of In Living Color at that time. Thought you yeah. well, it was so funny and greatest you know, sketch comedy exactly. on the planet, dude. Yeah, all, amazing. We all into comedy as much as we were into horror and all that, of course, back then. And um, he, uh, we, we actually had to turn the movie down. Um, you know, we, we had obligations to go to Europe. I remember. And they said, Hey, we want to be in this movie. And, you know, we we're at first, we were a little reluctant too, because man, we don't want to be made to look silly. We want, we, you know, we're taking our art here seriously. Okay. Yeah, what yeah. you think we're funny or tongue in cheek or dark humor, whatever you think about us, we're obviously very serious about what we do here. And we don't want to be made light of or made fun of or mocked or anything of that nature. So, so we we're a little worried at that at first, at first, but then I think once we were reassured that we, that, you know, why not? Let's just give it a chance but then i remember us having to turn it down initially because of the timing um we were we had a tour booked in europe and uh, i think they said hey it's got to be this time and we're like oh man we want to do it but we can't you know we we were totally and still are the kind of a band that we're you know hey we're obligated we made a plan we you know we're sticking to that you know um so we said man thanks but no thanks we can't you know and then they turned around going hey well we'll we'll reschedule shooting we'll we'll you know we'll move shooting around your schedule wow and, and we're yeah. like, All right, well, hey, if you guys are willing to do that, that's amazing. <laughs> well, well, of course, you know. So that's what ended up happening. And then we flew down. We, to, you did the Europe tour first and then came back and did it after the tour? Yeah, yeah, it would have been, it would have been after that then, right? Because, um, you know, the, that would have been in the way. So it would have to been after. I'm almost positive it was after. And, it, I mean, it was only four days. We were only shooting for two days. We were only down there for four days. We flew into Miami. It was all done on location there. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're still living in Buffalo. So so we flew down to Miami. Um, there the first day, just hanging out. The next two days, we were on the set filming. And then the next day, I think we were still there. We went home. But, uh, but Did you remember how many takes you guys had to play Hammer Smash Face? It was, it was a few. It was a yeah. few. Cause it wasn't even, it wasn't really like us. I mean, you're getting the inner workings then of a, right. a, a movie, movie uh, how, yeah. which we were obviously were fans of movies, but we were never involved in it. So it was of course, very interesting to, to see the inner workings. And um, a lot of it is, you know, hurry up and wait kind of a thing. And we're sitting on the set, you know, all day um, for, 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 to do our stuff, but you have to do everything around it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it I remember was um, the scenes um, where Jim's like out in the crowd talking and all that. I mean, they, all right, we're supposed to be playing and the fans are supposed to be going, you know, crazy to the music and all that, but everything had to be silent for the dialogue. So yeah. I, 
they would play them all right play back and we'd start playing we you know we're of course faking it right and then they would stop everything so we'd have to we'd have to keep pretending we're playing the fans had to pretend that they're listening to us which we're not and then jim would be doing his dialogue in the back and if he did if he had his takes you know, if he did his takes quick, then everything's good. But if he's messing up his lines or anything like that, then, you know, the longer it takes. And I remember right. that a few times where he was just, you know, he'd mess up and then he'd start, you know, going off on a tangent. Everyone would laugh and then, well, you, know, you got to retake. And so, okay, do it again, do it again, do it again. Um, so with that part where he's walking around, is is it completely silent? Like, yeah. is it like, is it yeah. just completely silence yeah. and it's like yeah. only dialogue? Right. Yep. Yep. Whoa. Completely silent. It was so weird because you just, so weird. Yeah, I mean, of course you're hearing like the footsteps. They couldn't stop, but like you know, everyone's trying to slam around. Yeah. Hear the pounding of feet a little bit, but everything else was like you know as quiet as it can be for him to do the dialogue. And that was so bizarre. You know, we were <laughs> wow, this is weird. Did you have to like air drum and stuff? Air, yeah, weird enough, we're air drumming to just the music, like, but when the music stops and you got to keep air drumming and air playing to nothing, then it's like, wow, that's, that's. Did crazy. you ever accidentally hit a symbol? Like, Oh shit. <laughs> I, I don't think I did. I can't remember. I hope I didn't, you know, we guys, I, uh, Jim yeah. like turns around. He's like, <laughs> you know. that's all we need to do is get kicked off the set, you know, because I hit a symbol. Right. So there's uh, that deleted scene too, where he's up on stage with you guys. And that's badass. Dude. Takes yeah. the vocals over. That was fun, man. I mean, yeah, I, rem I remember when we, you know, we did all that filming and, you know, we were there for those two days. You do all that filming. And then when you go see the the actual theatrical release, like everybody else, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I remember going to the movie and, and seeing the scene and going, OK, we're in there. And then you're waiting for that other scene to happen. And it never came. So you're like, oh, OK, well, this is cool. We're just happy to be in this movie. You know, I mean, things, I guess, end up on the cutting room floor and all that. And, you know, I just remember going, man, that was some funny stuff. You know, too bad it didn't oh, yeah. make until what, about a year later, two years later, when it when it made the network debut. And then when it's on TV and then you're going, oh, my God, holy, sh you know, they're, they, there's the scene. There's him on stage. I mean, cool. all that was amazing that they had that for that. So I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did see the light of day because that's some funny stuff. Right? It's, it's funny. Yeah, you talk yeah. about Kiss, though. Yeah. You talk about Kiss and stuff. And we've had this, you know, podcast for you know, a year and a half or however long. And I can't Almost tell you did. how many people have have brought up that scene as like their kiss. That was like yeah. Yeah. when well, dude, they it's the were first like, time I ever heard death metal because I, I was already I my brother was into death metal, so I already knew death metal. But I was like, I was my brother was all cannibaled out. Had like he was like fucking long sleeve bleeding shirt from '94 or whatever. Like and uh, so I knew about it, but I was like, it was always so like like bizarre to me, like the vocals, the album, you know? Because I'm like, I mean, the, album. I'm the movie child, came but... out like '93 or something, right? That was yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, he gave me his like old bleeding shirt from the tour. It's got like the picture of the United States on the back, yeah. and like it's yep. got like yeah holes time. in it and stuff. Yep, yep, yep definitely. Yep. Um, but yeah, like we've had that over and over again, where they're like, I mean, then I was listening to this, and then I saw Ace Ventura. Right. And then and then I and then it just went to an what's this all about? And then because, you know, yeah. like you said, stepping up the ladder, that's kind of what I always say, too. It's like you got to take the right. steps, you know, and yep. like that was a, such a necessary step for so much music that we hear nowadays, you know. It was mm -hmm. um, what a what a big stepping stone. No, you're right. I mean, it, you know what what a big deal it was. I mean, we were doing Cannibal was doing well, obviously at that point. You know, when we got uh, Tombs just out, and you know the bleeding about to come out, we're doing pretty fairly well for our on our own here. We're our, we're our touring international and all that. But then the movie comes out, and that just takes it to a whole nother level because you know so many millions of people saw that movie. So mm -hmm. it, 
what you're saying there, how many times people came up to us and said, man, I have never heard of cannibal until the movie, or, you know, that's how I got into death metal because of the mm-hmm. movie. And man, it's a, it's an amazing thing. So uh, what a stepping stone it was. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Who would have thought that it would have been that big of a, of a deal. Um, right. Right. You guys didn't what, even realize the opportunity you guys were getting at that time. Not, not, a, not anything, not at all, man. Not at all. Who would have thought, right. You know, I wonder if that, if Jim Carrey never fucking asked you guys, I wonder like where death metal would be today. I, I actually would think that it possibly, I mean, I think it would still be around maybe, but that it would definitely be around. Whatever. Yeah. That catapulted, like like you said, millions and millions. Like I saw it with my dad when I was a little yeah. kid, like right. in a theater. You know, like yeah. I we went. It was like an event to go see it. You know, right. right. And right. Uh, yeah, to, if that didn't happen, I, I mean, I feel like that changed the whole like paved landscape for all these people's brains. Like, what is death metal, or you know, what's this band or whatever? And it just kind of yeah. like switched a switch, and then yep. they went on a different trajectory. Like, changed their course. You know, right. right. And it for did. so many people, yep, it did. Yeah. The what ifs? Who knows? Looking back, right? Would would it would it be what it is today? You would you would think it would, hopefully. But I mean, regardless, the movie did so much, um, you know, at that point. So it, we'll, we'll we'll just leave it at that, and and, uh, and and glad it happened for sure. Right, right. I was just gonna say that it would definitely def, it was already happening at that time. So no matter what, death metal would have kept going, but what it was just a catapult for it a little bit yeah, to get totally. into the mainstream. Totally, totally sphere yep so then after the bleeding um things change well the movie happens and then you guys put the bleeding out right so how was like touring that record versus anything before that yeah i mean i think we're just getting bigger as we go here i mean you know a lot of it maybe is because of the movie but i think we also feel that we're just getting better as a band we're coming Mm -hmm. in arguably like we kind of mentioned before uh the bleeding i think is the start of the modern day cannibal sound um where we started coming into our own as songwriters and musicians and all that kind of thing so um it, you know and then uh, it was our biggest seller of course i mean obviously we're riding on the coattails of tomb and that was a great record for us with hammer and all that and and then the bleeding comes out and you know it's our biggest seller at that point and uh you know the songs uh i i think are just more honed and and all those things so um you know it was that you know that we're just we're going up the ladder we're moving up the you know uh going up the rungs there we're just you know moving forward here ever so slightly and and the bleeding was was taking us to that next level um so you know like i said in part maybe because of the movie but also i think that we're just we're writing better material at this point you know right I, I got a question about so you obviously out of all death metal bands in the world you have the best song names by far <laughs> obviously so how did you guys come up with this i mean do, do you guys like sit around and like like yeah and you like come and like laugh like that's the best fucking name i've ever like because some of them are so great it's like fucks <laughs> with a knife and shit i mean oh no we, we had jarzenbeck on and he was uh ron jarzenbeck and he was talking <laughs> about um Hearing he was like teaching a kid a lesson or something, and uh, right. this is back in the day, and back he, in the uh, early 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, his, This little kid came in with a uh, eating back to life, he's all, I want to learn, I want to learn bloody chunks. I'm like, <laughs> and and Ron, Ron was like, What your parents let you like, what's going on here? Like, you know, That's like, funny. it was super funny, yeah, uh, super uh, funny. I'll have to bring that up to Ron next time, we'll see <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, but, but uh. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know it's crazy to think. I mean, we got some to We just we are all very creative, and I guess, and we just brainstorm and, you know, try to come up with over the top titles. And, you know, some of them, are, of course, you're going to maybe get like a chuckle just because it's so crazy over the top. I mean, you know, like I was saying earlier, we're, we're very serious. We don't we don't want to ever write anything or say anything that we think is funny. You know, albeit I can see maybe people finding things funny or finding the dark humor in things and going, that's just so ridiculous that you have to laugh. And it's over the top crazy, like uh, something like, uh, you know, fucked with a knife or, you know, or entrails ripped from a virgin's cunt and things that like that. That was scary to me. I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was like, that scared. wasn't funny to me. That wasn't funny at all. I was yeah. like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you know, I mean, uh, you know, that's why that's why nothing was funny to us. It was it was definitely more, you know, in the in the way of cringe worthy. You know, if, if we're going to look at a title and go, that's disgusting. Well, then I guess what that's that's what we need. <laughs> that's know? the yeah, reaction yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. But, but, Hell yeah. Oh, and for luckily, like I said, we had, uh, you know, everybody brainstorming and everybody contributing and, um, you know, we just tried to outdo each other and come up with some sick stuff. I mean, I think the whole thing with Cannibal in general was trying to outdo anything previous, you know, anything previous that we knew about, uh, uh, anything that was influenced by us, or I mean, that we were influenced by, I should say, we just wanted to take it to the next level, you know, and we mm-hmm. had opportunity as being a band so why not go for it and uh you know we're cannibal corpse let's make as extreme as possible so so you know we were going to do it in every regard uh, we we say it so many times to compare death metal as like horror movies on on cd or record and all that stuff but i did get that same feeling of like sitting and watching texas chainsaw massacre and the and anxious uncomfortability of certain scenes that's the same kind of thing i was getting from listening to cannibal and reading the lyrics and reading the song titles and all that stuff so that's why joel and i were both like actually scared in the beginning of listening to cannibal because it was giving me that same feeling you know right well that's that's it that's what we're going for you know we always like to say we're short stories short horror stories but to music Mm -hmm. yeah and then that's the vibe we're going for you know you want it to be dark in all regards and, what uh, kind of horror films were you guys watching at the time? You know, just all the ones that were out at that point. I mean, Fulci was big and Dario mm-hmm. Argento films and all that. But just the basics, you know, you know, really the ones that started it all. Not started at all, but the big ones like in the early 80s, like, uh, you know, of course, Halloween and The Shining and The Exorcist and, you know, those mm-hmm. those kind of movies. But, yeah, then there was some that were over the top. I mean, like... Uh, you know, Evil Dead or, or you know, anything uh, Dario Gento or what. And I can't even think of these titles now. I remember what was one that was one of our uh, Gates of Hell. That was a great one. Um, mm-hmm. that was, it's a big one. I remember we watched that one a lot. I always kind of attributed like Dead Alive, even though there is some humor, but Dead Alive, the gory aspects of that movie have always yeah. like, made Ugh. me think of Cannibal at, at, oh. as visual, you know? <laughs> As much as it's very humorous, yeah, there's some that's some crazy visuals going on that's over the top yeah. with horror, you know. Right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a big one for us too. You know. So, um, uh, you don't have to go into too much detail about it, but like, obviously, from the bleeding to vile, Barnes is gone, Corpse Grinders in. So, like, well, you want to touch on that a little bit on as to what was going on with that? Barnes was done, and or were you guys done? What was the deal? 
Yeah, I mean, it was time to move on. I mean, we were just getting fed up with a lot of things with him. And, uh, you know, time to move on, time to, you know, better the band we felt. And, you know, uh, that's why we made the change. Um, We felt it was getting a little stale. And we needed, uh, you know, we needed some, uh, you know, some, some, somebody that was really gonna, you know, take the music to the next level. And we felt we weren't getting that. So, right. you know, we, we, we kicked Barnes out and we got George in. You so know? you guys, did you guys gig with Monstrosity and stuff? And that's how you guys got to know George? Uh, we were, you know, we saw him play. I don't know if we, I don't think we ever played with Monstrosity up at that point, but we're living in Florida now. We moved to Florida in 94 um, and Lee is, you know, monstrosity. We're based out of Florida too, out of Tampa. Mm-hmm. George wasn't living in Tampa at the time. He was still living in Baltimore. Um, but of course he's fronting monstrosity. And if they're going to play, he's got to come down and sing. So I, I, I remember we went and saw monstrosity play live, you know, maybe just before we got him in the band or what have you. And it was, you know, I think that might have been the first time I saw him. And, you know, just seeing George up there was just, a, you know, incredible. He's an incredible front man, just the way he, you know, everything he did up there. And he sounded great. I mean, and we were fans, of course, of Imperial Doom. Um, hearing, that yeah. record, hearing that record, hearing George's vocal and all that and the music, we were just, you know, we were huge fans of that Was record. he already windmilling like he does oh. back then? Yeah, totally. That's why when you saw him live back then, he was just like a beast up there, right? Windmilling and just, you know, uh, just going nuts. And it was, it was amazing. It was great to see the energy. Um, but, you know, so it was, it was, it was all those factors, but of course we wanted somebody that was going to be able to, um, take the vocals to the next level. And we knew George could do that. I mean, I remember when we made the change, when we decided to kick Barnes out, George was our choice. It was like, George, is it has to be the singer again yeah. of course if not we don't have a plan b here you know mm-hmm. Definitely. It, was, it was it was him or or we don't know what we're gonna do and, so luck- and what an album for him his first album dude like bio is a fucking that's yeah. a beast of a record dude that's another page turn for you guys like kind of the heavier tune to yeah. b flat yeah. or whatever kind of like lower you know Yep, yep. No, I mean, and that was it. When I remember when we were writing the songs, because of course you know the story. Barnes, you know, was on uh, started the the session with Vile, yeah. which was supposed to be created to kill. And um, when we heard his vocals in the studio, and uh, of course, what six of those songs are available now? We put them on our box set. They ended up making you know their way through the. Mm-hmm. You know, however they got out. Um, but uh, those what you hear Barnes's versions of Devoured by Vermin and all that, that's that's what he wanted to. That was his final version, uh, albeit the music wasn't done. There was no solos. It wasn't mixed. But that, up to that point, that's what he was going to leave vocally. And, and man, we were just dejected. We were really dejected by that. I mean, we felt we had some we were taking Cannibal to the next level musically and all that. And there's my daughter in the background. Hello. Um, Hello. <laughs> Hey, hi, you're on you're on candid camera. <laughs> um, so uh, we when when we heard his vocals, man, we were just all let down. We we felt we had some you know the best music we ever wrote, you know, and right. we, we we felt that Barnes's vocals were detracting from these songs. So uh, and, uh, you know, we knew George would would be the man to to you know f- to fit right in, you know, to to belt out the 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 vocals that we need to, you know, right off the bit, right off the bat, right off the bat, dude. You hear the, you hear devoured to start with the scream. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, God, you know, that punches you right in the face, dude. 
place. So, uh, yeah, that, so yeah. that's what we needed. That's what we needed. That's what we wanted. Yeah. We felt it was getting stagnant and, and redundant, and uh, you know, we needed that kick, you know, to, to boost us forward. Well, I mean, with uh, you know, you're you're talking about like you're, you're musically progressing, and like the vocals are kind of staying the same, you know, yep. and like I feel like with the bleeding, like Barnes works for sure, right, right. obviously, you know yep. what I mean. Yep. But then like vile and stuff comes along, it's like, okay, we're leveling up, dude. Like you know, we, can we need everything to kind of like take a step up? We can't do the same vocals over the you know this new style of music, new style of death metal that we're creating. It's like a lower, heavier, fucking chunkier you know riffier like all the things you know we're yeah. we're living leveling up we need we need yeah. some uh on the other side too you know totally totally true and that's why we had to make that change you know it just wasn't working out so uh you know it, it had to happen and we're, and we're glad it did so um how so, was touring vile like was there tons of tours or yeah, it was some good ones. We went to, uh, I remember we went to Japan for the first time, but that was the big tour we had. Um, I mean, not that it was that huge, but I guess it was pretty huge opening for the Misfits and Anthrax. Oh, it, wow. was the, it was Misfits, Anthrax, and uh, and us. And then I believe Life of Agony ended up coming on for a little bit. That was a long tour. It was like a two-month tour. But but that, but that was like one of our, you know, our first big tour to be uh, out, albeit it's not the original Misfits and all that. And Anthrax were, you know, chugging along at that point. Um, but still, it was a huge tour for us to be a part of that, you know. And, and, and it was great. Um, so so that was, I think that was George's, his, I think that might have been the first tour, actually, uh, for him. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to think what else we did. I mean, I'm sure, I know we did some other touring too. Um, it, it, you know, it was starting to come into play, um, from the bleeding up where the touring is more prominent. Um, so, you know, you're probably, I'm sure we did the States a couple of times and probably did Europe, you know, a couple of times and then time to move on to you know, start writing the record. But, uh, but you know, the touring was, was happening as we, as we progressed here, of course. Definitely. Yeah. You guys think actually, had a, oh, go oh, go ahead. I was going to no, say was, about like, uh, I was going to backtrack a little bit because now you're talking about touring and stuff, bringing Cynic on the road. We just had Paul Masvidal on kind of yeah. a few weeks ago. Like what? Because that was such like a fucking curveball for people, obviously, because that's like a jazz kind of oriented prog band. What was the, uh, I mean, the mindset of what did you guys think was going to happen with like bringing a, such a different style on? Obviously, you guys are musicians and you love and like like me, like love crazy musicians and what's coming new. And that's one band that was like maybe a little ahead of its time or a lot ahead of its time for like what it was doing. And uh, so, yeah, talk about the process of bringing Cynic on. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, we were we were friends with them way back. I remember we played with them. I think we played a show back in like 90. They came to Buffalo and played. I mean, and they, and they were, you know, they were, a, of course, an amazing band, a very, very heavy band. Um mm -hmm. Throughout their career, of course, like you said, very proggy, very much ahead of their time. And I think they became that a little bit more over the years um, than the early cynic. Um, so I can't remember if it was just, you know, you know, we knew they were doing well and we wanted to help them out. We wanted them on the road because we, you know, we knew them guys very well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think maybe if you ask them, I don't know if Paul talk about it or whatever, but it was, I think it was a little difficult tour for them because, you know, we, they're playing primarily to a, a death metal audience, yeah. um, because, but we had sinister, I believe on that tour, Okay, who I think it was. So you're dealing with, you know, two death metal, full on death metal bands and then them. 
And, you know, some nights might have been a little more rough for, uh, than others, um, you know, with the audiences. Um, and, and it's and that's, you know, it's unfortunate because exactly they're, you know, incredible bands. So, so you know, it, it's, it's tough to fully remember how that fully came about. Um, if it was just, uh, you know, through the record label or, you know, or more just us wanting to bring them along because, you know, we knew they were the right band and, you know, mm. we just wanted do something a little bit different at that time so um but either way what a what a what an amazing tour it was really i mean we, we shared the bus with them we had some we had a lot of fun we had so much fun um on that on that run and uh you know one that um you know we'll never forget and you just think back and you know gosh you know losing yeah. paul or losing uh you know both sean's both sean's yeah. yeah yeah and uh you know it's uh hard to think about but uh right glad we were able to do that and, i mean uh, making the connection with the you know losing people obviously i'm wearing the trevor uh Sternat shirt but he, like he you kind of i mean you guys were like the original trevor Sternat. he would bring out shit he liked you'd be like i like this so we'll bring it out and you guys did that you know back in the day you'd be like i'm into oh, this yeah. band we're gonna help him out let's bring him yeah. out and you right and severed savior we got the guys in the fucking chat right now but like you several like certain bands you guys have brought out that you're like yep. we're you guys are yep. sick we're no one knows about you what the fuck we'll bring you out yep. you know yep. Yep. exactly that's, what i wanted to bring up like it's 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 really a cool thing that that cannibal being at the level that they're at and and still staying true to the scene and seeing the uh the quality of what's going on in the underground and and giving the opportunities to you know so many different unique leader bands but they were still doing it back then because we're talking about cynic and how new they were and i'm mm -hmm. sure there's plenty of other examples of tours before and after that cynic one where it, it catapulted a, a few different acts that you guys had brought out with you and oh. and respect for that dude and i know that you know alex is a big fan of all the unique leader stuff and he yep. might be the main guy behind getting those bands on the tours and stuff but my uh my i think my first time seeing cannibal was uh the deeds of flesh in cephalic carnage tour mm -hmm. that was uh that was epic at slims in san francisco okay. dude that's awesome yeah i was talking earlier i was before the pod i was telling paul like we, we were talking with derek roddy like you know like episodes back about like the first time when i saw him play at the at the whiskey in la in 2000 when, you, when they did that the first conquering the throne tour and uh we saw you guys play it was the uh bloodthirst tour i think is what it yeah. was yeah. yeah and i was 17 you know it's like 2000 <laughs> and like i was my first ethanol show and uh and uh, i i I was like scared of you guys, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I was a whoa. When you guys came out. I was just like, that's the real shit. I, and yeah. Hate Eternal. I mean, all the bands were great that day. All the bands, but dude, it was just like I was like, it was so like, you guys just like you have that aura that's just like, man, it's so cool. I'm so stoked for. What and it still doing. does it to you today. Yeah. I mean, I'm fast forwarding, oh, yeah. but I just caught you guys on your last tour, and it still yeah. just, it goes right to my core when I see you guys. Dude. Oh, yeah, dude. Good to hear. And having Rutan on, in there is just a big plus, you know? I know. Unbelievable. And no, was great to have, of course, man. Taking it to the next level with having that guy in the band, of course. So yeah. He's such the, it's like the perfect. That's a, that's a corpse grinder on guitar. You know what I mean? That's like oh. the... Right, right. Yeah. It was kind of the same. It was the exact same thing that happened when you know when we yeah. made the change. It was like, well, Eric's the man, and if Eric isn't the man, what are we going to do here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he knew, 
it all worked out but man he was you know just the perfect fit of course you know i'm just so fortunate to to have him a part of the band now. side note it'd be cool if you put in a good word for us to get him on here i'd love to talk to eric dude oh hey I, I, I can i can try I, and so alex busy. too he's so busy i mean you know those yeah. guys oh, they're so busy doing so much stuff eric of course does so many other things you know and he's just got, studio doesn't stop right you know like i i i i all i can do is put that word out you know and uh oh yeah it happened for that's know, all so. we're asking definitely no I've, I've, i toured with haiti journal and like eric was one of the yeah most genuine fun. humans like yes. every day he would like yeah joel let's go smoke a joint together you know like yeah. he was like he was very like uh, Yep. just like engaging let's hang out and let's yep. talk and you know he was he was very genuine i was like i just yeah. remember him always with like a beanie on in the back yeah. and just like <laughs> playing guitar like hanging out he's the nicest dude ever yeah really actually the eric rutan story that actually changed my life and i've maybe even told on this podcast was uh we were on tour with black dolly and, and hey eternal and uh he w had like a 104 temperature like he was like dying in the back like it was in texas somewhere and dallas texas and he was like Literally, he's all Joel. Wake me up when like we're supposed to like get start getting ready. He was like sitting there, covered in rags, like sweating right. his ass off, and uh, he was like, I was like worried, like almost hospital, have to call an ambulance, worried about him, and uh, woke him up. He got up. He's just like, Ugh. Oh. he's like so in pain, like the most in pain I've seen someone about to go yeah. on stage. He goes on stage and just does his normal shit, like it's normal. But like every time every, in between songs, he would turn around, and just be like, oh, like he'd just be like in this crazy pain. He was like, you can't miss these shows, man. We got to play. You know, he was like <laughs> so adamant. I'm like, man, you're you look exactly the same as you did as the shows where you were healthy. And now you're like on death's door and you're like giving the same thing to everyone. But, you know, obviously, when you turn your back, he has to like be a human for a second and like. Like, you know, right. drink water and like try to survive. You know? <laughs> Quick but, uh, Eric story for me is not personal, but just seeing him with morbid, um, he, he broke a string like towards, I don't know, maybe the middle. Oh, more towards the like beginning middle of a song. He had it restrung and tuned and finished the song, dude. No, like, that's how that fucking quick he is with like, he's just, uh, he's, the epitome of a professional musician. Dude. He yeah. is. You're right. No, he is totally 100 percent, man. 100%. Yeah. He's just kind um, of like I, I saw. I was watching uh the last time we saw them. Anthony was there. The last uh, show we saw with you guys playing at in Berkeley, and uh just like I was looking at him, I'm like that guy. I just whispered to uh, Eddie from Suicide Silence was next to me, and I was like, that guy's. Well, that guy's death metal. That's just death metal. <laughs> <He is> death <laughs> I have metal. nothing else to say. Like I have no other like. <laughs> Death metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was just he just encapsulates it and looks it and feels it yep. and just like and that's yeah, one I, thing about Corpse Grinder I always love too is like he's oh, not running sure. around the stage and like he's not going come on what what are you doing blah blah he's just like he just sits there and does this thing and I'm just like this is the sickest fucking thing I've ever seen he doesn't yeah. the simplicity of it makes it way better than just like running around just because he's just got this confidence that you're like I'm in you know yeah. it's just a total live encapsulating thing. So yeah. I have a, I have a two part question for you, Paul. One, tell us about the the biggest crowd that you were like, holy shit, and then tell us about a train wreck where you guys fucked up in a song. <laughs> well, let's see. Probably let me think. The biggest one. Well, I mean, we've done Vakken, of course, a few times. Yeah, and uh, playing the main stage. What is that like? Eighty thousand people, hundred thousand people. I think they cap at like eighty thousand, and. Um, 
I remember the one year, you know, just you just look out and you just see this. this just this sea of people. And it's so surreal because it's not people anymore. It's just this wave of like heads that I mean, you can't even describe it. I mean, it's just so, so crazy. You just as far as you can see, you just it's people. And, you know, that's just so weird because you're just not used to that. Of course, you know, we're used yeah. to our modest amount of people and, uh, and, and, you know, that's that. So when you're playing in front of that many people, it's just so bizarre, so surreal. It just doesn't even seem real. So, so I think Vakken would have been it, you know, um, where we played in front of the most. And, um, I'm trying to think, oh yeah. One comes into mind about a train. <laughs> I think we were in, oh God, I want to say we were in Ecuador. Um, you know, I, it was a few years back. And I remember something happened during I Come Blood. We were playing I Come Blood and there's the break like right in the beginning, you know, where I think I think Pat, you know, Pat was still in the band and Pat, you know, like he, he broke a string or something happened where we ended up stopping because something threw me off or something. And, you know, that it's that whole, you know, you never stop for any reason. For some reason, something threw me off because I didn't hear him. Cause I'm, you know, you're expecting to hear that. And when you don't, you know, you're just immediately like, what the hell, you know? And I remember we ended up stopping and I believe we stopped and we started the song again, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which was very embarrassing, of course, you know, I mean, I think it, it all went over fairly well, but as a band, whenever that, anything like that happens, you know, it's just, it's not good. You know, you it's never, defeating, yeah. Yeah. You never want to start over or, or, you know, or anything of that nature. But right. I remember it being uh, one of those when we, when we were done, it was just like, oh my God, we're in stall, you know, totally upset about that. Going, what the hell, what the hell happened? This, we got to make sure this never happens again. It was just horrible, horrible. Well, if you hear nothing going on anymore, it's like, could be one of those like videos that I've seen, you know, just like the singer's like, stop, stop, you know, stop. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't know, it's like, you don't hear anything anymore. You're like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And if you're in a weird zone, you know, you just don't know. And sometimes it just throws you off, you know, like, I don't know why it, it shouldn't because you should always be, you know, I've kind of trained myself more because I think a lot of it might've been me like, why did I stop? I shouldn't have stopped. And then I do, but I, you know, I shouldn't have. So I, I think I've learned and I have, and I might've took that, uh, instance into consideration of going okay you know i got you got to be prepared for anything you know right yep out or something you just got to keep you know, got to keep focused on what you're doing whether what anybody else is doing you know well i mean you could be the drummer of cannibal corpse on top of the world but you still sometimes need a jolt like that to to better yeah. yourself as an That's artist because we're all trying to progress we don't want to get stagnant you know human you know we make mistakes you know and definitely i'll admit that i'm no i don't look at myself as being the best drummer in the world or anything of that nature you know so you always got to just try to better yourself and whatever it takes and sometimes yeah you're totally right it takes some some uh things like that to happen that uh you know you make you make you make you a better drummer and make you you know realize you know yeah you you just got to keep learning and keep moving forward right Totally. So I want to fast forward a little bit just to the Wretched Spawn because that was uh, one of the albums for me that like... I was going to ask about Gallery of Suicide. Oh, okay. What do you got on the gallery real quick? <laughs> Talk about that a little bit? Go I mean, for it. Go for it. Uh, Gorp, I mean, it was funny because I was like driving around today and, and, and yesterday actually this week, but like 
just listening to Cannibal. And there was actually a thing we had this group chat like going on about listening to albums like early in COVID. And I listened to every Cannibal album. I remember like in a week, I went through every <laughs> single one. It was pretty funny because I I had heard so many of them, but there was a bunch I hadn't really like heard the whole thing. You know, like a bunch of new ones. I love them all. Like I, I really love that skeletal one. Um, skeletal. The, dude, that fucking album is insane, dude. Pretty There's dark. A, pretty dark. Record. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Gallery of Suicide is like one of the greatest masterpieces of an album. I love that album. And Joel just I think we've talked about this a bunch, but that that's the one with the the uh, what's the song called? Uh the instrumental From skin to liquid. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what got me. It was the end of uh, live cannibalism because I bought the the VHS tape for live cannibalism oh, yeah, as a kid. That's right. And um I was like, I for the young VHS I, is a tape that had uh, reels on it. With a VCR or something. It had reels. Yeah. <laughs> if you you get you get fined by Blockbuster oh, if you rewind it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh at the very end because I always was like I was in the met you know, I was climbing the rungs you know and there was one rung that was death metal that I was like I know I need to get to that rung but like the the vocals for me were just like I was like I just don't under I was a kid I'm like I don't understand it and my dad also too because we you know my stepbrother or my half brother uh andres was like fucking all death metal like and we were just my dad would be in my ear being like fuck this shit you know like because he was a musician too he's like into primus and frank zappa and all that kind of stuff so he's like from a different bass generation player, right? he was just bass yeah, player, yeah right yeah yeah and just for a different generation and he was just like what the hell you know he was my brother's walking around with fucking tomb of the mutilated shirts on like walking into my mom's lawyers or she was a receptionist but walking into the office with like two corpses like you know like performing oral sex that are <laughs> and as a kid i was like what the fuck and you just walk around freely like what mother you know because that was crazy back then that was like unheard of to walk it's like now you got kim kardashian wearing that shit or whatever. well no i mean yeah. The, 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 yeah i know right jesus well i mean like the equivalent now would be like if yeah. you want to like put it in shock value for that it'd be like just walking around with like porn on your on your, like just like like people like, really is. like what you know what i mean it's like to like to put it in perspective for someone but way cooler yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah well obviously but at yeah, the time it was porn, like obviously. you know people were wearing like a metallica shirt with like a you know holding the bells or, or the the weights and stuff and they weren't they weren't like there was nothing crazy, but that like shocked everyone. But um, sick dude, I had a question, but I forgot. So uh, <laughs> I think we're talking about the um, from Skin to Liquid about like oh yeah yeah. So yeah, yeah. um, so that was the song that that ushered me in because it was like right. I would watch all of like and then I, about a year later I learned the whole, I would come home from school and I would I played all of Live Cam Cannibalism all the way through on guitar. That was like my oh, really? part of my I learned every song. I mean, you remember Mike Kimball? Remember Mike Kimball from uh, he was in Dying Fetus for a yep. while. Yep. He like made this website that had all of your guys's tabs that was like fucking almost dead on. So I like oh. I found that and like I just okay. learned all this like every day was like that was like my cycle it was like come home like play all of live cannibalism. But at the time, um, before that, I was basically just like, well, this is scary. And then I heard fucking from Skin to Liquid. And I'm like, okay, well, I, all right. Well, that's mm -hmm. all right. That's so good. Like, it's old. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, like literally changed my life. That song cool. completely changed my life and uh, ushered me into the heavier stuff. It's like, okay, dude, I was there's say, one that's slayer like and like, super you know, heavy, dude. It's just dude. so heavy. That is on a seven string. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you guys, thing. each of your albums is, is unique. It's, it's like, first of all, you like stick with the cannibal thing and it's like reliable. You don't have a bad album, which is like insane. And yeah. like so many great albums and like, 
but like each album has its own vibe and like and you know theme and like feel and sound like so what was the feeling or or, or the thought behind you know gallery of suicide we're talking yeah. about I, you know i think you know i think every album we've done and you you know you hit the nail on the head it was always just you know you're trying to do something you you didn't do on the last record or the last song albeit it's going to be cannibal no matter what you do mm -hmm. um so I, I don't, I don't think we ever sat down and had any like, oh, well, we've got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do that. You know, this is what this, uh, the next album needs to be or whatever. Um, it just so happens to be the time frame that you're working with. And this is what comes out of you. Um, if anything, you're going, okay, well, we, we never had an instrumental like plotting along like that. Okay. So that'd be kind of cool to do, you know, um, or a song, like I remember when we first did a song, like, you know, sentence to burn, you know, where we never had a song like that, where it's yeah. kind of like that mid pace kind of a song. Everything is always a lot more aggressive sounding and fast and, you know, the blast beats or the skanks or whatever. So, so, you know, you might consciously do something like that, but um, yeah, you know, I guess it's just always retaining, like you said, the cannibal sound, but yet doing something, maybe just some of the, something a little different than you, you, you've done in the past. So, so I'm sure that was our mentality around gallery after, after, you know, vile, right. You got vile and then you go, okay, mm -hmm. well, you know, mm -hmm. you listen to vile and it's all definitely a different album than gallery um and gallery is is a, maybe a lot more diverse in, in in many ways because of the variety of tempos mm -hmm. all that kind of thing you know um so i think mm -hmm. that's just what we try to do as we we as we move forward it, and it seems to me that you guys are going off of feel and that's so fucking cool that you guys like there isn't like you just said it's like we didn't really say this right we need to do this, this, and that. It's just like, we're going off of how we feel as a unit wanting to progress, but still, you know, retaining this, this cannibal vibe throughout your whole discography. And, and I think that that is one of the reasons why you guys have been so consistent and you guys have continued to progress. And you've, like Casey said, you guys have never had a bad album because you 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 harnessed something and and now you keep like growing that thing it's not like we're going to keep this in a box we're going to we're going to grow it by just adding this and this and that to this thing and it keeps growing as a sphere throughout the whole thing I totally agree, man. That's exactly how I'd explain it, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, that's why you guys are the biggest fucking death metal band on the planet, dude. Like that's exactly why you guys never ever strayed from what you guys wanted to be, what you guys wanted to be uh, um, accepted as yep. plus you guys progressed as artists Right. And and now I I wanted to get to my thing where I was just fast forwarding because I know we're we're taking up a bunch of your time. I, I'm sorry if you're super tired, dude. But we that's been fun, man. I'm I'm all right. All right, good, good. Awesome. So um, we had a couple of albums in between, but I do want to just fast forward to the Wretched Spawn because the Wretched Spawn was this another um album that was just like boom for me again i'm like oh shit now cannibal's fucking technical you know <laughs> i mean it's it had always had a, a technical yeah, gore obsessed was super technical but i'm just saying like for me personally for <laughs> okay, me okay. personally when i when he's I a vocalist heard, 
<laughs> when I heard Wretched Spawn, I was like, oh, shit, dude. Now they're starting to play with time signatures a, a lot more. You know, was Gore obsessed like that too? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, I guess everyone's going to have their interpretations and, and and feelings on the records, like you like you're having. And you know, one one person's going to say exactly this album's uh, that is more technical than that one or this one. I mean, I I don't even know anymore at this point. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's hard to remember really looking back. I mean, it's funny because half this half the records were you know that i that we've done and i haven't listened to you know the whole album in years say the wretched spawn you know i listen right. to this because we play it live now and i'm thinking my gosh when's the last time i even listened to that or listen to the record for that matter you know i'd have to go back and do what everybody else does and sit and listen I know. To it. well you got so much fucking and go what the hell have we done you know <laughs> you guys have such an extensive discography like even us too if we were to put out that many albums we would have that same response too you know like it's, yeah right right you yeah, do you, something and then you move forward because that's right. what an artist does right right and that's what we do you know you don't want to go backwards i mean of course you're always gonna be loving everything you've done and, and and be proud of everything you put out but yes i have not listened to these records there's there's many a songs that i know if i heard right now i'd have to listen and go well, well who's that oh, oh wait that's us <laughs> you know what's going on oh, God, holy shit i have no idea i mean God. That song is the, years, you know, and that makes awesome. sense. I, I would have, I mean, I, how many, how many Cannibal Corpse songs are there? I mean, you know, out of 15 records, what, you know, we got to obviously, if you're talking about a 10 at least per record, at least over 150, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Like that. 150 so, to 200, something like that. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That's it. So what was, okay. What was the hardest record uh, recording session? you guys you personally have had man you know uh, they it got easier which was good i mean for some reason i i hate nice. i've always hated the studio you know I, I hated being under the microscope and being feeling like you know it's now or never you know if you're not doing it, you're wasting time and money and all that i like you know to me i'd rather uh, I, I like the vibe of playing live way more than recording um but um you know it, like i said it started getting better I guess around um, around the wretched, uh, no, not the wretched spawn, skeletal domain, evisceration plague started getting a little easier. Maybe that that album might have been a tough one, evisceration plague, you know. And I think that one was tough. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say evisceration plague because we that's when we incorporated the click track. Mm. So when we, I remember Alex going, hey, you know, before we started writing to. The songs for evisceration he was like you know i really love to incorporate the click track and write all the songs to the click i feel it's gonna uh, you know make us that much more tighter and you know it'll help in, in so many regards and all that and he was right but there was that transitional period um i i i, I never played to the click i never wrote to the click. i never wanted to accept the click you know i felt it mm -hmm. was you know not needed or not wanted shunned upon in, in my uh, by me personally um so when we when i gave into that and said okay that's let's do this it it was that adjustment period i i didn't have enough time i mean it i needed more time to really absorb the click and be, you know so so when i look at when we recorded evisceration i would say you know it's a funny album L really listen to evisceration again you know what you're going to do when you hear a evisceration and you and you and you totally uh, analyze it you're going to go 
wow, there's no drum fills on this record at all. There are no fills. There's no. Huh. Oh, wow. It, dude, check it out. Listen, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's a great record. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's all it's all beats, great songs and all that. But I was not fully there on the click. I could not feel comfortable enough to be able to go, you know what? I, I can do this. I can do that, Phil. I can do that role. I was playing almost as basic as I can play because I was adjusting to that click track. Um, you know, it's a tight record. It's a great record. Let me just add something that that's 20 years, basically, of you not doing the click right, in right, Cannibal right, right there. Yep, and okay. then you yep. change your ways. And, right. and I respect the shit out of you for going two decades in cannibal corpse with no click. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think that's what, uh, I think early cannibal needed to be that if it, it, we'd be a different band, if we say incorporated yeah. that, of course, looking back now you'd go, okay, maybe uh, as a drummer, as a musician, as a songwriter, you, it's, it's needed and it's, it's helpful. And I love it now. I love the click, but of course it'd be like me saying, well, if I took lessons back then and we played to a click, we'd be a different band. Probably I'd be a different drummer for that matter. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm glad we had those evolution, you know, that kind of evolving uh, thing with cannibal like that to not have it. And then to go that route, you know, um, but not having as much time as I needed, I guess it, it really looking back, you're going, okay, we're writing these, uh, we're writing these songs. Okay. Well, you know, the way we work, you got what, six months to write, you know, and, and practice. And then you're, you're right already into the recording process and you got to get that record out, you know, so you go on the road and that's the way we do things. So I look back and go, and I would have been more like, Hey, I, don't, I need more time. And I probably right. would have another year or two to technically feel it. Cause I didn't feel it till the next record. And I can't remember mm -hmm. what the next record was, but I, was it torture? Um, let's see. Let's see. It is torture. torture. You're right. Torture. And mm -hmm. by torture, when you listen to torture, then you're going, oh, you, 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 you hear it, my drumming, where I, I felt better around the click. I was like, hey, I'm getting this. Well, I've had a couple of years to absorb that and to play with it now. So when we're starting to write for torture and then we go to record, I felt a lot, so much more comfortable. Like I got this now I can play around the click where I just, you know, I felt just so, you know, I, I couldn't do that with evisceration. So, um, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was a weird record to record. I think that was a little more tedious than anything else because of that transition, uh, the ev evisceration play. And then things got better because once I start getting into the click and, and, and grasping it and being able to go, okay, I got this. Well then, you know, it made my life easier. It made writing easier and made playing easier, it made everything easier. And, uh, you know, like I said, you look back and you go, man, something I probably should have done years ago, but it is what it is. And, uh, and I'm glad we use it now, of course. So again, again I mean, and I personally think that it, it's not necessarily a progression or not, but it still is something that, that made you take another step forward as a, an artist. And again, not stay stagnant. Now it's right. a new thing. You're, you're faced with a new challenge and, and, the consistency of count cannibal showed, you know, you're saying this, this one album is where I was still learning it, but right. you guys still stayed consistent through it. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and actually, you know, it's, it's wearing your heart on your sleeve as a drummer. Like here's me as somebody who's still yeah. learning or yeah, just learning new things as an artist. And, yep. and, but I still got an album out and I still yep. got another album out after that yep. and another album out after that. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. The consistency is crazy, dude. And 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 oh, man, I had something that I wanted to go off of on there. Me and Joel are both losing ourselves on this one because I'm just so excited to have you on here, dude. And I, I so. We got our old friend David on here uh, from our old band Odious Mortem, and uh, David is asking a question: What's your favorite uh, Cannibal album, Paul? Do you have a favorite? Would be Eaten Back to Life, man. I mean, oh, hell yeah! Look back and you go, man, it's the most you know, it's your first record, and then it, it's just the most raw record. It's just the most from the heart mm-hmm. more. I think you know that first one where you just go in and you know, and then you how we're talking about these progressions and everything. Well, that's another thing. You go in and you record Eating Back to Life, you get it done in 10 days. You know, you just there's you know, there's no editing or anything of that nature, you know, what you can do now. And you know, you spend months and you know, you're uh, things are done differently. Everybody knows that, you know, for the most part, and the way you record. So, so I I think, I think, I, I think Eaton's the most special to me for many reasons. Um, albeit, like I said, uh, the first record, but, you know, I think it was just, you know, the more, the, the most raw, the most primal, the most, uh, mm-hmm. right when we're just at the forefront of like, yeah, we're a band we're recording our first record. My God, you're just so excited more than, more than ever because you've never done it before. So, yep. so it's always going to go down as my, my, my favorite, you know, for that reason. Right, dude. You're young, yeah. bright eyed, bushy tailed all that stuff as much as i do love the latter albums man i think our our best stuff is our our, our latter albums of course you know in material wise and all that but uh you know, but mm-hmm. but for aggression and just everything like we just talked about yeah eating would be it yeah we were talking i was i've been talking to casey recently i talk to him every week but i'm just saying like recently we were talking about how um your emotional state during the recording sessions can be branded into it as you listen to your own albums you know so there's there's probably plenty of like you're saying the evisceration plague album may not sit well with you because of how you were feeling during that session and and then you're saying even back to life and how you were feeling back then and it, it is weird as somebody who records that that like you can you can be transported back to your mental state as you were recording that when you listen to that music, you know, that just yeah. trips me out that it, like we have one connection that's different than anybody else that listens to our music because we can remember all the bullshit that we were going through <laughs> during all that, you know, totally, totally. Yeah. It's something, isn't it? It is. So what was, the, I was going to say that that was the question that I was going to get to when I was just for what I, when I just forgot was what's the longest you've been in the studio doing drums. Uh, you know, let's see. Uh, that's usually got it done fairly quick. I mean, I think in just recently since we've had more time, you know, we always tried to go quicker, you know, because of budgeting, you know, you want to get things done. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're not obviously a band that has the, uh, an endless budget and you can just take forever to make a record. You know, we're on time, uh, time uh, restraints and constraints and all this kind of thing. So so I, I, I always remember we'd always try to get a couple songs done and then, you know, OK, drums took a, you know four or five days of recording at most or whatever. But just recently, because we have more time and more money to work in the studio you know we, we, it was kind of like well why kill ourselves here let's just make it right let's just let's you know concentrate on maybe one song a day you know and that's what we've done on the last couple of records um, you know, 
balance unimagined. It was, you know, let's let's get let's just get one done. Let's budget it out for hey, if we get one done, we're good. If we can go do more more than one, okay, great. But if not, let's just go shoot for one. Why 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 kill yourself mentally and physically that way? Let's mm-hmm. just let's just do it that way. So so I think the latter albums have taken longer just because, like I said, we have that uh, the time we have the opportunity to do it instead of just busting it all out and and. Uh, and maybe you know not not getting it you know as best as we can um you know why not so um so yeah the last couple of records would 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 have taken the longest and and right not that we didn't know the material or i wasn't ready it was just you know let's let's not kill ourselves let's let's breathe a little bit here guys let's let's breathe man let's breathe right we totally did we couldn't do it Nice. I know we've spent an hour and a half on Cannibal, but you guys, you guys, you have a couple new projects. I think that we should talk about those just a little bit before we get out of here. Sure. So, uh, which one came first, Heaven's Gate or Umbilicus? Umbilicus came first. I mean, okay. that, uh, it was a kind of a, it, it was a long time coming. Actually, a little backstory with Umbilicus back about, uh, you know, 20 years ago or so it was around 2000 when jack owen was still in the band um we actually did a little project called path of man and it was me and him and our friend vernon blake who actually is the bass player in umbilicus um but we you know we jack and i are for our love of just rock and roll you know and 70s style rock and roll and we felt man we just you know it'd be nice to take a break you know cannibal's been just plugging along forever and we're just blasting away doing death metal and well, right. why, why not? Why not just break up the monotony? Like you know, let's write some songs and you know have some fun here. Totally. Uh, so we did. We 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 ended up playing two shows in Tampa. I remember back. You know, they said it would have been around. 2000 2001 somewhere around there and uh we wrote a bunch of songs it was all originals um i, I remember we did play one uh, grand funk song uh, uh, that was our only cover song but we we just made some kind of crappy demos we didn't really you know concentrate on recording I, our problem was we never had a a good singer we went through a few singers and ironically enough that the singer that sang both of the shows for us um that we played was james rivera of hellstar and mm. uh, you know what an amazing vocalist he's just such a great metal vocalist albeit we didn't want really a metal vocalist we were we, you know we were trying to be a little bit more of the 70s ilk there and uh and james is a great vocalist great guy i mean he did an awesome job but i i think we kind of fell apart because of our uh, you know, it just wasn't working out. We couldn't find a vocalist. And then, you know, we just kind of gave up on that. So that was, like I said, about 20 years ago. There you go. A couple shows under our belt. We wrote some songs. That's it. Um, so fast forward to right after we recorded Violence Unimagined, knowing that was the pandemic just hit because we were uh, we went into the studio in April and that you know the the pandemic hits in march around that time so luckily it didn't affect anything with cannibal and the whole recording process with violence unimagined but it affected of course our touring schedule and the release of the record so Mm -hmm. so when we were done when i I remember being done with the with the with the the, with the drums and that would have been in april and you're going okay we we're, we're in the swing of this now a couple of months and everything of course you know everyone remembers the uncertainty around this but we knew we weren't going to be releasing i guess our record when we wanted to and we weren't going to be hitting the road when we wanted to that much we did kind of know 
So I, at that point, I got with the, my buddy Vern, who plays bass in Umbilicus, who was playing in the side project. He's a good friend of mine living in uh, you know, Florida here. And um, I said, hey, man, you, know, you, want, you know, want to revisit this project? You want to you know, start jamming some of those old songs? I mean, well, now's the time. I mean, I, got, I, have, I have the time. And, you know, we're not getting any younger here. And you know, it would be fun to do. Why not, right? You know? um, so we, we started playing uh, some of the old songs that we had with Jack. And Jack doesn't live here in, in Florida anymore. He moved to uh, Illinois. And we got a hold of him thinking, well, you know, I don't know if he'd want to be revisiting this. He kind of gave up on it. He didn't seem to want to do it. So, so, and then he's living in Illinois. So we said, you know, let's, let's get another guitar player if we really want to make this serious. And we, when we did, we, we, we got a guy who funny enough ended up being now he's in, in Deicide, Taylor Nordberg. Oh shit. Uh, Yep, he plays guitar in Deicide right now. So he's in, uh, he's in the absence. He's in inhuman condition, and uh, you know. But we didn't know. We we knew of Taylor. I never met him at this point, and we knew him through some mutual friends. And we found that he has a love of you know what we what we were doing, like this you know it's kind of seventies eighties rock and roll. So Taylor learned an old song that we wrote with Jack and came to practice, and you know we we met with him and we played jammed, and it was just like kind of magical right off the bat. And and he was like, dude, uh, yeah, this is awesome, you know, let, let's do this. So that that's how Umbilicus was formed, right? So it had been probably around May June of of 20 there um when the pandemic hit and we started working on uh you know some more originals and and this time around though had it in our back of our my head my head especially and i think Vern because we're older now um and well taylor's being the being the young blood in the band we were like you know let's do something with this let's let's write some songs you know what let's record let's see what happens because we only live once we're not going to probably revisit this in another 20 years when we're 70 years old at this point <laughs> the right. time so so you know wrote we wrote 10 songs you know we got us a, a great vocalist that we we came across and uh you know and and that and that was it so it was a couple of years in the making here but uh you know but umbilicus is finally seeing the light of day we released three songs already to this point and like i said the album comes out at the end of this month and september 30th um uh, you can get it through Bandcamp. It's going to be on Listenable Insanity, which is Taylor and Jeremy Kling's um, record label that they released the Inhuman Condition records on. You know their their band that they got going, and they're you know uh, they're you know doing fairly well for themselves on that. Um, but uh, you know we just you know we wanted to leave a mark here and have fun and uh, and see what happens. I mean, if, if things happen with Umbilicus, great. If they don't, you know, hey, we, we're having a great time writing some cool songs. And so when fun. you play that stuff, does it take you back to the late 70s, early 80s we were talking about in the beginning? Totally. I mean, and I am so pumped to play stuff like that. It's completely yeah. mindset, of course, than playing Cannibal or Death Metal. I'm just sitting back, you're grooving out, you're playing for songs you know you're not playing you know exactly man it's all by feel it's just so much fun it's crazy how you get through your 20s you do all your shit and then you get into your 30s 40s 50s whatever and you just start to love nostalgia you know yeah i mean it's you know you do and i and i have i've actually like you said loved it for a little while here since we did that project but i guess what ends up happening is 
yeah, I mean, I, I never thought I would probably be doing this with a band, but, you know, everything fell into place at the right time. Like with the pandemic, we said, not getting any younger here. You know, we're all getting up in Asia, myself and Vern, the bass player. And you're going, man, you know, now's the time, you know, to do something mm -hmm. like that. Now's and the time to build the DeLorean and go back in time, <laughs> dude. So, um, so we did, and man, we're we're excited. So we're we're excited for the release of this record, and we'll see what happens. And you know, hopefully, we can get some shows, maybe a tour. You know, who knows? Um, you know, we got to work around uh, my band, and you know, now Taylor's and Deicide and all that, and uh, you know, but yeah. we'll, we'll but we'll see what happens. So that's been a lot of fun, man, and we're looking forward to that. So, so then you know how I just how... saw him play, dude. Oh, yeah. cool. a couple weeks or like last week, it was like, like right. yeah, it's yeah. so great. It was. Yeah they're out there and he's doing the, the legion duty. tour oh he's doing double duty yeah that guy shreds man Dude, he's a great guitar player what a he's still good holy man what an amazing talent for and in, in so many ways i mean he drew the album cover for us he's uh, wow. you know produced the record he you know recorded the record. he wrote most of the songs i mean he is just a talent man he is a, an amazing guy and we're very, very happy. I'm very proud that uh, he's been a part of the umbilicus because if it wasn't for him, you know, it would have been tough going here. So, uh, so very fortunate to have him uh, involved. The same with our singer Brian Stevenson. Man, he just took uh, took umbilicus to a, another level, having a, an amazing vocalist, which is what we needed, you know, for this kind of music. And I think the songs of, uh, you know, are, are, are you know, we're we're, we're 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 happy. We're proud of them. You know, and I think people are going to dig them. You know, we hope. And if they don't, oh well. Well, you know but we're having fun doing it and uh, exactly that's oh, what it's all about first all it's about. yeah all it's about and if it, if it ends tomorrow hey man we wrote a record and it's here here to stay you know and that's yeah uh, important you, kind of you froze it in time dude that's, that's what we wanted to do man you know so so that's what's happening with umbilicus and then i know i'm thinking man that's crazy i'm you know in two bands and then all of a sudden tony from municipals calling me up going hey man you want to form you know i'd love to do a project you know and uh well yeah all right kind of the same mentality well you only live once and uh you know why the heck not so um so that came yeah. about probably about a year ago now i guess it was with uh, heaven's gate um you know, Tony moved back to St. Petersburg, Florida here after living in Richmond for a long time. And that's where he's from here. And, uh, you know, he got a hold of me yeah, about a year and a half or go something, maybe a little around there going, hey, you know, I would love to form a project with you and, you know, get you get a couple guys and we'll start a new band. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Why the heck not? You know, um, so it finally came to light about a year ago. Like I said, uh, now, um, uh, we, you know, we got a great guitar player, Mike from the band Warthog and this guy, bass player, Jeff from, um, um, God, why can't I think of his, the name of his band? He's going to kill me here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> play too. Um, it's cause yeah. it's like one o'clock in the morning for you or some shit. <laughs> it, it's getting late for me here, you know? No, but, no, it's not. What am I talking about? No, no but past my bedtime. That's for it sure. is definitely dude. but yeah. Thank so, you so much, dude. Oh, no problem. So anyways, um, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we wrote some songs for that. We're, we're kind of doing what the same thing with the umbilicus did. Hey, let's, you know, record and see what happens. So, so we recorded five songs. I know we already released one of those songs and, uh, you know, more to come here for the, for the release. But, but the thing was funny with heaven's gate is we already played two shows without even having any music out, which is kind of, but that's that kind of music. It's that kind of style of band. It's that total crossover thrashy punk, you know, right. that's, 
old school. And that's why I'm loving this band too, because it's bringing me back to my kind of thrash roots as well. You know, back when I, this, this band, Heaven's Gate kind of reminds me of the early days of Cannibal or Tyrant Sin, where it's just all fresh and new and you're just, you know, everything's simple and just aggressive and, you know, and not, not you know, you just very old school, you know, so I'm right. And I, I was, it brings me to like this, this feeling of like how, going to our local uh, venue and seeing the opening band and uh, you're like, Oh dude, that shit was fucking sick. And then you go online and there's nothing. It's like, that's the only way you can see it is live, dude. Yeah. yeah well, that, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it was a cool way to do it because the two shows we played were the most underground, well, especially the one in St. Pete, we played what about a month and a half ago, <coughs> excuse me, one in St. Petersburg. Our first show was in Gainesville, Florida. We were just released the one song on Bandcamp. That was it. So you had one song out there and nobody knows anything else. So we're opening, we're playing with Asshole Parade, um, band from Gainesville. Nice but, name. Yeah, they've been around for years, you know. And you got a few other bands, but it's that punk rock mentality. Every band's right. 15, 20 minutes. Our set was 20 minutes. You know, we're direct support. We played 20 minutes. We played seven songs. So we only got, we had six originals and a cover, and that's it. Um, and, uh, and nobody knows our material, but man, I'll tell you, it was the most fun I ever had. Most fun I've had in 25 years. I mean, this, oh, this, dude. especially with the show in St. Petersburg, go, go check it out. If you go to YouTube, put in um, Heaven's Gate, St. Petersburg, there's a lot of footage of that show. And it's the most bootleg underground kind of scenario, like you, something you would have done when you're just starting out as a kid. And it was the most fun that we ever had, man. I tell you, it was amazing. You know, playing in a parking lot, like on a rickety old stage with a couple of lights, you know, no PA, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was it was awesome, dude. You know, the fans yeah. loved it. And uh, I you think know, that like the, the, the nostalgia thing, I'm going to keep going back to it. It's just like it feels so good to go back to the beginnings of, I mean, your career is much more extensive than mine, but I've still been doing this for 20 years, you know? So, so to go back to the feelings that we had back then were, were, were just fresh and just hungry, you right. know? Yep. And, yep. and to feel that, to be able to access that again, later on in life it, it is, it's a, a treat it's it a is. big treat it is you're you're totally right man and that's what this has been both bands have been that you know but um but you you, you hit the nail on the head exactly what a treat it is and uh you know just to, to relive that nostalgia relive that feeling those early kind of feelings that you just can't have anymore with you say, remind yourself why you're in it in for the first you know in the first place like why we started this right. long journey that we've been on he you it's only like distant memories and pictures in your mind and you know you can only va vaguely touch on how you felt until you do something like this yes. then it brings you right back totally dude and and on that note jeff the name of your band's horsewhip i remember that you know yes he got it dude <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but no, you're, you're totally right. Um, I mean, and it's, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been amazing. It's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun for having both bands and, you know, we'll see where, where Heaven's Gate goes too. you know, I mean, where we got two shows coming up actually at the end of the month here, we're playing a show in, in Tampa and then we're playing um, a show in day in Daytona for indie merch. 
um, you know, like a big thing going out there in Daytona. So that's going to be a little more of a high profile gig for us. Uh, you know, but, but either way, man, both bands were having fun. Umbilicus having fun, Heaven's Gate having, having a blast. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with both of those, but, uh, you know, keep an eye out because I, either way things are happening, which is, which is cool. Hell yeah, dude. And just to, just to give a break, the fourth wall here, we lost Joel earlier. His power power literally went out. The whole uh, neighborhood, there's like sirens uh, going off. He's like, yeah. Ah, dude. Yeah, they, 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 he's like, I will build a fire and try to come back on. Well, use your phone. He's like, can't. And yeah. So, ah, uh, we miss you, Joel. Unforeseen um, natural circumstances, natural disaster, whatever. It, it I don't know what's going on. Yeah. yeah sucks. <laughs> but, dude, Paul, this has been a great, great time, dude. I had a blast mm-hmm. with you tonight. I hope you did too with oh, us. Totally, dude. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And it was fun talking, you know, all this old school uh, stuff and you guys were great. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. We may be a little bit younger than you, but we know what you're talking about. We're nineties kids. dude. Hey, as we're right along there, I, everything, you know, I, I feel it. I know you guys know your stuff and that's, that's awesome, man. Hell yeah, dude. That's what's up. Well, uh, super honored to have you on, man. It was just, you know, really no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. A big pleasure, dude. And uh, I, I hope to uh, catch you out on the road again soon, dude. Uh, coming sure. up November. The tour starts in November in the States here in Canada. So I'm sure we'll be out in you know, your guys' neck of the woods here uh, in one of those shows. So, yeah, it'd be nice to, you know, to hook up uh, wherever dude, you let's, let's stay in touch. Great. I, yeah. I would definitely, uh, I would love to uh, come hang out and clink a beer with you, brother. Let's do it. No, we'll keep in touch and we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. Hell yeah, dude. Well, uh, once again, um, I never really do this, dude, but like and subscribe our shit on YouTube, all that stuff. If you're not a Twitch guy, come on, or gal, come back and sign up to Twitch, too. We're, you could be hanging out with us right now, a couple bananas in the background. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, dude. And Paul, thank you again. Uh, Umbilicus, Heaven's Gate, and of course, guys, Cannibal Corpse. Dude, get out on the internet. Find all that stuff. Um, yes, dude. And and uh, we'll see you next week. Did we, oh, BattleForgeCoffee.com. Go get that fix. Paul, uh, Paul is uh, going to go sleep now because he burned <laughs> off all that coffee he uh, drank before. The- <laughs> I'll be snoring in probably about five minutes. Dude, yeah. hey. But thank you. Thank you for giving us this yeah, big chunk, again, dude. Paul. That was awesome, man. You're a legend, dude. You're the uh, first blast beat I ever heard. You're the first album, death metal album I ever bought, Eaten Back to Life. Boom. All right. You guys have a great night. Everybody, oh, 7Gs just popped in for the last second. What up? All right. I love you guys. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Rock on, dude. Hell yeah, dude. All right, guys.